0: Hey, Apple at Work listeners, we have a special guest this week, and I don't want to interrupt the conversation, so I want to thank our sponsor before the show began. This week's episode is sponsored by Mosul. As the leader in modern mobile device management and security for Apple and the enterprise, Mosul offers solutions for every stage of your business. If you're just starting out, you can try Mosul Business Free and receive the complete MDM feature set of Mosul Business Premium for up to 30 devices at no charge. If you're looking to address all of your Apple endpoint needs, Fuse has you covered. The cloud-native offering combines enterprise-grade, mobile device management, identity management, automated application installation and patching, and multi-layer endpoint security all wrapped up into one. Wherever you are in your Apple device journey, Mosul is there to support you. With a focus on usability, automation, and the best support in the market, Mosul delivers a new approach to Apple device management that is more powerful, efficient, and affordable than legacy solutions. To learn more, visit business.mosul.com. Again, that's visit business.mosyle.com, or you can use the link in the show notes, and that'll let the folks at Mosul know you came to them from Apple at Work. Now let's get to the show. Welcome to this week's episode of Apple at Work. Uh, This is a show we talk about all things uh, Apple and the enterprise. And this week we have a very, very special guest. Happy to welcome Jeremy Butcher from Apple on the show. Jeremy is in product marketing at Apple, and we are certainly uh, honored to have him here. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Thanks
1: for having me. Glad to be here.
0: So you and I have known each other um, a number of years. I one of the if someone said like, "What's the thing you think about when you think of Jeremy?" and I would remember you on the stage at uh, the Janth conference a couple of years ago with some like massive enterprise news so that to me is still one of the most shocking Apple announcements of all time. Just just the impact of Apple and the fortune volume. 100. And and we'll we'll kind of come back to that. But uh, that was the moment where I realized. Things had changed for Apple um, and the enterprise, Apple at work. Like things are different than they used to be, uh, but we'll, we'll kind of get to that. But I want to I want to talk about and start with um, WWDC this year. We had some what I feel like were earth shattering announcements that were um, I think are things we'll we'll hear about coming from year to year, and we'll see the results of them for um, uh, years and years from now. Uh, But we have basically some new mobile device management technology. Would you mind just to give us a a brief recap of of what's coming to mobile device management uh, later this fall?
1: Yeah, so um, the biggest thing that starts this fall but will continue for a while is something we introduced uh, called declarative device management, which is essentially... The first um, big update or overhaul or new version, however you want to call it, um, to the mobile device management protocol since we introduced it in 2010 in iOS 4. Um, And the whole idea um, around it is to switch from a reactive or imperative state to a declarative state where we tell the device the state we want it to be in as opposed to sending a bunch of commands um, one after another to try to get the device into the state. So it's it's uh, the future of MDM I think is how we kind of coined it at WWDC in the session. Uh, and it really is because there's uh, a big chunk of it that's happening now, um, but it will be something that we continue to build on over the next uh, couple of years.
0: You know, you kind of reference going back to um, the th- these these M- the MDM technology has been around for a while, and Apple has certainly done a lot with it. I-, I remember, I still remember hearing about Apple Configurator, the original one launching, and like how. Amazing that was, and then just how it's evolved over the years. I mean, I still remember when you you couldn't push apps over the air; like you had to download spreadsheets and you loaded them into Apple Configurator. And obviously, by today's standards, that seems antiquated. But this was when the iPad was like a year too old, and so Apple really, if you if you really think about it, yeah. they built the technology for. Apple Business Manager, Apple School Manager, uh, and the Volume Purchase Store—like they, they actual, Apple built this technology rather quickly, and then it was deployed rather quickly. Where you had the, you had devices that didn't exist one year, and then a couple years later, they're being used by businesses around the world, and then Apple's having to almost build out this technology to manage them somewhat on the fly. Because we, you know, you think about we used to have the iPhone Configuration Utility, and that app worked fine. It was it it did what it was supposed to do. Um, but then, when when I, the iPad came out, and we and we thought, oh, we have we need the way to manage ten thousand devices like we would ten, uh, and then oh, the App Store is awesome; it's got all these awesome apps for businesses and for schools. How do we get those out there? Um, and it, it, it was obviously a challenge, and and um, I, I would say Apple did that rather quickly, uh, but did it well. Like it was, I mean, it, it's still not an old device uh, in the grand scheme of things. So it's really really um, great to hear that. You know we're we're now setting the sound setting the foundation for the future of MDM the future of what Apple management looks like and I think that's the way I like to think about it now it's not about Mac management it's not about iPad management it's it's all of it it's even Apple TV I mean I, I know Apple TV has become very very popular for digital signage uh, I talk to a lot of people about digital signage and, and they say why would I want to spend 150 on an Apple TV for digital signage that seems expensive and I always say you've not priced out digital signage. That's a rounding error compared to most digital signage tools, and and it's so complicated, and there's so many great apps that are, are built for digital signage, but they're almost useless without the MDM capabilities of tvOS, where you can drop ship Apple TVs. They can be enrolled into your MDM. They can be locked to an app. Um, there's even apps that, that do this that you could even push out uh, payloads to go ahead and authentic, authenticate them to your account. So it's really about managing the entire Apple ecosystem at the workplace and the schools because you could have an organization that has, you know, of, of Apple's kind of major product categories. Only thing they might not have managed is Apple Watch. And, you know, it's really foundational technology that is is so complicated on the underpinnings but yet yeah, is so easy to, to use and get started with um, so I'm really really excited about these new MDM technologies it makes sense uh, when you when you watch the WWDC session it makes sense that it would work this way and it's one of those where when you kind of are starting over building a new foundation, Declared to the MDM is what you would build. Uh, so I'm really excited about it. And uh, in Apple fashion, we'll transition over summer and no one will know the difference.
1: Yeah, the other thing that you mentioned <clears throat> that's kind of, I think, interesting to add to um, the high level is, so iOS 4 MDM introduced over a decade ago, but obviously the Mac had existed you know, well before that. And there was a way to manage Macs. Um, and we've added MDM as a, an option for managing Macs and made it more and more of uh, the way to go over time, the protocol specifically. Uh, and so what declarative offers us the opportunity to do here on the Mac as well is truly unify um, the protocol, like you said, around Apple devices. TV, OS, iPad OS, iOS, macOS can have this... Uh, solid baseline where the protocol was designed for all of them as opposed to designed for iPhone and iPad uh, and made to work on the others. So I think we're super excited, like you said, about um, having this clean sheet of paper basically to work from. But um, like you said, we took a little bit more time um, in releasing it specifically because we wanted to make sure that From an MDM vendor perspective, you could actually just upgrade right into it. Uh, So, at one point, the clean sheet of paper metaphor was really uh, accurate and that you were gonna have to re enroll the device, which, you know, the more we thought about it, the more we realized that was too much of a change. And so, the idea that you can today be running, you know, what we'll call uh, the MDM protocol, like the V1 version of it. And by this fall, you can actually start adding in declarative pieces without re enrolling the device, without having to recall them and touch them. We think is going to be something that kind of was well worth that extra time that we took uh, in adding this kind of upgrade ability.
0: That model will make it that declarative is adopted that much faster. Um, and I'm sure that was a lot harder than just kind of saying it's going to be fresh. And you could have, you could have caught vendors and said, all right, when you've got a customer doing a refresh, let's do it then. But um, it kind of reminds me of when the iPad did that file system upgrade a few years ago on a point upgrade. And it was just like you kind of didn't even know what was happening. But in reality, some of the most amazing computing... Technology upgrades is happening, and your, your iPad progress bar was just moving. And uh, but no, it was pretty. It was pretty amazing. Um, next thing that we learned at WWDC was um, adding Max to Apple Business Manager using the iPhone. Um, what is the um, what's the use case here?
1: So. You know, for the overwhelming majority of folks who are adding devices into Apple School Manager and Apple Business Manager, it happens automatically because they go uh, either, you know, directly to Apple or they work through a carrier or a reseller who already integrates directly with uh, Apple School Manager or Apple Business Manager. And literally, they, they buy stuff and it just gets fed over um, to those systems automatically. But we know that uh, sometimes things get donated to you or for whatever reason in in a certain country, uh, you can't buy through uh, a specific reseller. You buy through a different reseller because your procurement department dictates that you have to. Uh, And so ultimately, you get into this state where the majority of your devices are in Apple Business Manager or Apple School Manager, but some aren't. And it just means that you have to manage them slightly differently. And a couple of years ago, we uh, built an ability to add iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV. Um, But at the time, we just didn't have all the pieces that we needed to do the same type of thing for the Mac. And so now it means that if you got, for example, you're a school and a Mac got donated to you, uh, you can literally walk up to it with an iPhone running Um, Apple Configurator for iPhone, which is the new app that makes this all possible. Um, You use that proximity scanning technology that you've probably seen in different uses um, with Apple devices. And that allows you to essentially authenticate that Mac and add it to Apple Business Manager, Apple School Manager, so that it can just be part of the same process that you already use to manage all the rest of your Apple devices. So it's all about Consistency in the way that you manage those devices by adding it, even though it might not have been purchased through the right channel.
0: When I first heard about that, the use case that came to my mind was, let's say you're in a business and you don't keep a lot of spares or um, you, you realize like, hey, we needed, we needed a Mac Mini yesterday for this this build out or, or something. Instead of, you know, and like I know in my city, I don't have an Apple store where it's like easily drivable. Or you could say, "Hey, I'm going to run to Best Buy and I'm going to get a Mac. I'm going to get a Mac Mini." And you didn't want to do that before because it's like you were in this awkward, like it's not going to be in my Apple account, and really want it to be, and it's like it's you want to have it all unified there. And so now you end up again, like I don't think it's something that's going to be the norm, but like when you have the exception, it's awesome, and it, it'll you know again, if you have a damaged device, you don't have spares. Hey, I'm going to run to Best Buy and pick you up a new laptop and we'll get it taken care of. And you can get that get that employee, you can get them back up and running. Um, I think it's great. And again, it's just, it's about edging, kind of uh, ironing out those like edge cases of, you know, purchase cycle, getting it into management, and it makes it that much easier. Um, one of the, again, I think most dramatically time, I guess the best way to word it is like time-saving announcements that, that you all made. Was that erase all content and settings is coming to Mac OS for the first time. And when I first heard about this, I thought there is going to be IT departments that save hundreds of hours on decommissioning devices. And how I think, like, especially, let's say, like a, a distributed environment, how I think this might go is. You you let's say your Apple um, time to refresh your Apple devices. If you let's say you do a lease or you do doing a big purchase, and um, you say, all right, we're gonna we're gonna mail out fifty we're gonna mail out fifty MacBook Airs uh, to our employees, and they they get them in, they go through the zero touch enrollment, they migrate their data, and then you say, hey, you message when you're done, send us a message and say, hey, my new Mac is set up, and then the IT team can wipe. The Mac before you ever even ship it and it leaves your house. So you don't even have a situation where you have a Mac with employee data or company data on it leaving the the hands of the employee because by the time it's shipped out it is completely clean without having to reinstall Mac OS. Um, do you mind to talk through kind of what went into that uh, that product or that, that feature?
1: Well, I'll I'll up your scenario a little bit, which something some folks might think is a little bit far-fetched but is absolutely possible, which is um, that employee, in theory, could just ship that Mac to the next owner. They don't have to send it back to IT necessarily. I'm sure that most will, but you could imagine a scenario where it's literally just getting shipped on to the next person uh, that's going to get that system because at the time that that erase has happened, it is back to a factory fresh state, just like the next person who takes it out of the box uh, was getting it for kind of brand new. So um, again, hypothetical, maybe a little bit far-fetched, but definitely possible for some folks. Um, To answer your question about how it came to be, um, it's actually something that we have been working toward uh, for the last couple of years. And... The the reason that it it took some time is um, before we had a read-only or sealed system volume, the Mac, uh, you know, Macintosh HD, you could put stuff in a lot of different places. Um, Whereas on iOS, really out of the gate, there were these kind of separate places for things like user data and the system or media Um, that could be much more granularly wiped. And that's what allowed for Erase All Contents and Settings to exist since it has for iPhone, iPad, and and Apple TV. And so it was kind of changing the architecture of the Mac to be more aligned to that where we actually now have a system volume uh, that can remain untouched for the life of that user and then allow us to just erase the user data off of the device, the apps, the media, whatever, um, and get it back to that known kind of base OS install state. So that was really two years worth of, uh, of announcements and work in re architecting the file systems on the Mac that led to this moment where we could say, okay, now we can have this feature that is erase all content and settings. There's all sorts of other really great security benefits to what that work was doing. Uh, But from an enterprise and education perspective, it was like, okay, we've done that stuff. Great. Now let's go do the erase all content settings piece. Um, It's going to be great for consumers too, who just want a really easy way to sell their Mac to somebody new or to recycle it or whatever they're going to do. That just makes the process super fast. But to your point, if you have thousands of systems you know uh whatever amount of time we save you times thousands of systems is going to add up pretty quickly
0: well yeah i, I agree because i get that question from people all the time i actually got that question this week that someone had sent me a message and they say hey, uh, uh someone handed us a, a mac down and i wanted to just like re- reformat it, like get it cleaned up like set it back to factory default and i'm thinking well it, it sort of depends on like what like what os it has and, like you know, what, you know do you does, does it have, like, the recovery partition? Like, there was all these questions that, like, that you just didn't have on an iPad or, or an iPhone. And um, and so now with, with this coming to macOS, it's the same thing. It's like, hey, just go do erase all contents and settings, and you're back to normal. It's super, super easy. Um, one of the big things that was announced from Apple um, last year uh, was Apple Silicon the release of the first M1 chips on the Mac, and I don't even know how to describe how much I love my MacBook Air. And the uh, I, I if I just never if, they, if I could get a new battery like every every couple of years, you know, every four or five years, three or four years, I think I could just use this computer forever. And I, I just don't even know um, how I would even want another one. And it's funny thing is, in my desk setup in my bedroom. I've even ditched my external monitor. It's just me and the MacBook Air. That's just, I, I'm in computer harmony with my MacBook Air. Uh, the battery lasts forever. Uh, there's no fan, never comes on. It's just it's just wonderful. Um, what impact have you all seen from Apple Silicon and the Enterprise and in K12?
1: So, I mean, I obviously agree with everything that you just said. I love my MacBook Air as well. Um, Uh, The team really hit it out of the park, um, which is pretty fun to to see. Um, There's a couple of things that we're seeing, which is um, because the MacBook Air is so powerful, um, folks that previously might have thought, I need the performance of a MacBook Pro, um, are able to now look at MacBook Air for maybe more people in their organization than would have qualified you know, for the price of a MacBook Pro. So that $1,000 price range being unlocked for a lot of organizations where they know that the system's going to have amazing battery life um, and amazing performance, you know, not compromising one versus the other, um, is super interesting for a lot of organizations. Um, if you'll remember, a couple of years ago, um, Forrester did this total economic impact study that's kind of their equivalent of a TCO analysis. Um, and we, uh, Mac performed incredibly well. It was like uh, $678 savings uh, over a three-year period. Um, with M1, they've updated that uh, study... And in an environment where it's a blend of M1 and Intel, it's not even all the way to M1, that has gone up to $843 over three years. If you go all in on M1, it, it's even better. Um, but we recognize that not everybody uh, has done that yet. And so you know, there's, a, there's the kind of user experience benefit that we all see. Um, and then there's also this uh, really, truly, like the total cost of ownership uh, piece of it that just means, um, you know, Mac is just an even stronger choice for organizations.
0: Well, one of the things that I don't think gets considered a lot of times when when choosing devices in the enterprise and education is, is resale value. And I have seen, you know, we, when you go to resell a fleet of Macs, resell a fleet of iPads, I maybe mean, they're coming off lease, you're getting new ones, that it is somewhat shocking how much uh, you can get selling those. Even even just through a wholesale uh, company, that's all they do is they just do big buybacks, and um, they, they hold their value very well, and it's – I I certainly expect in a couple years from now, when we start seeing buyback prices from these, these um, organizations buying back M1s, that they're going to be just off, off the charts. And it's like you said that, I I mean, I was probably someone who would think, Oh, I want a MacBook pro before. And now if, if you said like, do you want like a MacBook air with maybe a little bit more storage or a pro with a little bit less storage, I'd just take, I'd take the air. I mean, the, the, uh, the stock air, is the de facto computer for everybody to me at this point? Like, it, there's no compromises with the the low, lowest MacBook Air that is sold. Uh, it, as long as your you, the storage needs storage meets your needs, then you're absolutely fine with it. And um, it's just it's just a wonderful computer. Um, and I I think it, like you said, it's made it to where. Uh, organizations that maybe struggled with oh you know the the ROI of an Intel machine and now they can look at well look instead of needing uh, a Mac that's gonna maybe cost a little bit more, well with M one we can actually get just like the stock machine for everybody in the company and everybody's everybody's great. And and certainly as as um, Apple Silicon expands the lineup we have the new iMacs. like there's there's really um, Almost no reason to me on why organizations wouldn't consider Mac unless there was like a specific you know application that didn't run on Mac. But even then, there's tons of uh, of different ways to to run um, apps from other other operating systems on the. Um, um, On on the Mac, and I think one of the things we haven't really talked about is now that you can run some iPad apps on the on the Mac, there are like certainly some maybe some uh, enterprise apps that now like maybe just were a web app before. Now you can have a a, an app on your Mac, and again, this could be even simple stuff. Maybe it's a um, a payroll app um, that like maybe they had an iPad app to clock in and clock out or to submit time off, and it was like maybe clunky getting into the web interface. Well, now you can just run the iPad app on your Mac, and it's no problem. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, on the MacBook Air, or just really kind of more broadly, M1, the thing that we were all hearing anecdotally and then experiencing ourselves was um, this whole performance and battery life uh, improvement. And typically, you see benchmarks that folks have a tough time translating into well, what does that mean for me? It's, it's great that the the chart is, uh, you know, faster or higher uh, for the benchmark, but, you know, I use Excel all day or I'm in the web browser all day. So what does that translate to? Um, and so we actually uh, wanted to quantify that. And um, we had our, uh, our performance research team basically take real-world data uh, like business use cases and do some benchmark testing there. Um, and it wasn't against previous generation um, Apple devices. We actually wanted to go um, against current uh, shipping popular PCs. And so we did, uh, uh, you know, the most popular business PC in the same price range as MacBook Air and basically saw um, Two x the Excel performance, two uh, x browser graphics performance, fifty um, percent improvement on uh, web app performance, and then two x the battery life uh, while you're on a Zoom call. So you can have it, you know, twice as long of a Zoom call on a single charge, um, all on M1. Um, and so that's just to me. F- putting some nice um statistics behind what we've all been seeing in a way that hopefully folks who haven't been able to go buy one yet can kind of look at that and go okay that's not um a benchmark that i don't quite understand or it's not a game performance that doesn't apply to me these are the things that my folks do day to day um and use that to kind of help uh think about how like you said macbook air could be that system for everybody
0: well, and I think one of the things that has definitely helped in the, in the recent months is um, app developers have really done a great job on getting their apps uh, optimized for M1. Obviously, yeah. apps still ran. Uh, they, they ran using Rosetta 2. I was around for the Rosetta 1 transition from PowerPC to uh, Intel. And just just like it was with Rosetta 1, I, I honestly couldn't tell you if... Um, like on day one, if apps were native or not. But you continually, like when you see, like go to the app store and you click your updates, you continually see time and time again, optimized for M1, optimized for Apple Silicon. And uh, and I, th- I think that really goes to two things. Number one is Apple has made it very, very uh, straightforward on what to do there. And number two, users are excited about it. And when users are excited about something, generally they uh, people making apps get excited about something. And, um, and so that's really, really good.
1: The team did such a good job with Rosetta 2 that if I'm a developer, it actually makes me more excited to optimize for Apple Silicon because Rosetta 2 in a lot of cases was, like you said, really no degradation in performance. And so I think if you're a developer, you're looking at that going, wow, so this is with Rosetta 2. I'm I'm just as good as I was before. I can only imagine how good it's going to be if I optimize, and you're right, developers have been um, doing an amazing job of getting on board with Apple Silicon. And as you've probably seen some of the some of the improvements, have been pretty cool. Adobe and others are just you know on a pretty regular cadence uh, putting out stats about how much better their Apple Silicon optimized version is.
0: Yeah, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I remember um, back in October of 2019 you you're on the stage at Jay Nuck, and saying Apple is in every fortune 500 organization. And I, I remember hearing that and thinking that's, that is outstanding uh, to think about because I have been an, using Apple since like, I think I bought my first Mac in like Oh four. My very first Mac was the PowerBook G four. And, um, and I remember at the time I was working at a place and like it was obviously all PCs and somehow I was given a Mac. It was like somebody was using the Mac and like had to use something on Windows. So like they're like, you want to use this Mac? And I was like, sure. And I remember how like hard it was to use a, a Mac at work. Then Like, it, you know, it was like this was before, um, obviously before the iPhone, iPad, like Exchange didn't natively work with Apple uh, computers at the time. Like this was a different world, but it actually wasn't that long ago. And to like fast forward you know, fifteen years or so later, Apple is every Fortune 500, and, and again, it's not just—it's not just oh, it's just the iPhone, but like the Mac has made massive inroads in the enterprise. The iPad has unlocked so many different new computing use cases. Um, how has like what has been the kind of the attitude shift among IT departments? Like why why has Apple been adopted so quickly in the enterprise when before it was in some ways
1: not allowed? I mean, I think the 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 big thing was absolutely iPhone. I mean, you, we have to acknowledge that um, with the original iPhone, before exchange support, before passcode policies, before MDM, um, there were folks that had gone out and bought the device and they were taking it in to the office on Monday saying, hey, I, I need to get my email on this, um, which really started – Um, a lot of the demand. We started talking to customers all the way back then and I remember specific conversations where it was basically uh, people asking for what turned into, like you referenced earlier, iPhone configuration utility. Hey, it'd be really great if we could, you know, just set a passcode on this thing or it'd be really great if we could do, uh, you know, this or that. And um, I think the demand for iPhone really helped. I think iPad pushed even further because it was something that wasn't necessarily replacing a different piece of technology. In a lot of cases, it was replacing, uh, you know, clipboard with paper. Um, When we started to look at that Fortune 500 metric, uh, it was kind of interesting iPad had a higher percentage than iPhone for a while. And we would go to customers and go, you realize this is, they're both running iOS, right? And the answer that some of them gave us was, yeah, but there's this whole approval process that we have for smartphones and it's got a checklist. And there wasn't one of those checklists for iPad because it was a category that we didn't have a checklist for. And so we were able to just approve it based on what it can do. Uh, and so iPad again, kind of just pushed, uh, things further. And I think the, um, the core pieces of the operating system, we talked about mobile device management and the different pieces, erase all contents and settings is obviously new, but it's that type of stuff where we're able to take parts of iOS and iPad OS and where applicable, bring them to the Mac makes the Mac more like those two in a good way and, you know, still very much a Mac in its own way. But from an IT perspective, it's it's getting easier to support Apple devices as opposed to having to think about supporting each individual uh, product on its own. So I think there's just, it, we can't ignore the, the customer demand part of it, um, but then making it more and more, you know, enterprise ready, so to speak, over those those years, I think is really what helped quite a bit.
0: I remember um, again before the iPhone supported uh, Exchange, and, and again at the time that the terminology was Active sync. Anybody that knows what the term Active Sync means uh, is going to date themselves with technology because that's what that's what the the, the technology was running. They would connect mobile devices to Exchange at the time, and so the way that a lot of these C level people with the early days when the iPhone did support it, they would just they would get IMAP enabled on the Exchange server. And it was like, you know, boss goes in there and it certainly, again, it was the C level. They're walking into the IT departments and Hey, make this work with my email. And you don't tell, you don't tell the, uh, the, the CEO, uh, sorry, we're not turning on IMAP for you for exchange. Like you figure out how to make it work. And like you said, over time, like a couple things have converged. Again, you've seen the iPad unlock new use cases where again, it, it, uh, probably was the clipboard before. And then, um, Employees have become more particular about their technology. Uh, certainly, as um, I don't even love the term, the digital transformation. Like everything, it's it's a digital first. I'd like I bought a, I actually bought a printer this week, Jeremy, for the first time. Uh, I've never owned a printer uh, personally, um, but I, I realized I needed to buy a printer, and so I had took me figure out which one I wanted to get, which was. Um, I don't remember which one I bought, but like as long I'll, my only requirement was it supported AirPrint, and so I found one that I could go buy at um, somewhere locally that wasn't too expensive, and and so it is a digital world, and so people have started to care more about their technology, and I honestly, truly, and I maybe most people don't feel this way. I feel this way. I would take a pay cut, slight pay cut, to use a Mac at work. Uh, like if they said, "Hey, uh, you're gonna have to take a pay cut to." Pay for the difference in this Mac versus like if the P, if the if the Mac was like on paper more expensive, I would say that's fine. Like I got no problems. with it. It's the device I use eight to ten hours a day. Well, I, it's again, it's it's a a carpenter has their favorite tools. They have their favorite brands. They have their favorite hammer. Their favorite drill. The Mac is my tool. The iPhone is my tool. The iPad is my tool, and I, I care deeply about that. And I think as technology has become more ingrained in our work people have their favorite workflows their favorite apps and I think that that you know, employees care more about it but also employers are also that's seen as a benefit now I mean it's it's obviously um, it can be a challenging it can be challenging to find employees that for the roles you you have and so if giving them the technology that they like and they prefer is an easy way to improve employee morale Kind of like, why would you not? Um, and, and then again, as simultaneously that's happened, Apple has really built out their ability to manage things and to manage things well. Um, one of the things I have been thinking about is there was this kind of mindset, uh, it, you know, of your enterprise tools. Before, where it's like, oh, my Mac or my uh, my sorry my PC always runs slow because all the junk they have on it at work to make me make sure I can't do anything. But all they've done is make sure I can't do anything because it's so slow. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, that's not the case with how Apple has architected MDM, how they architected File Vault, how they how Apple has architected the security endpoint API. It's it's built out these technologies that do awesome things for enterprise IT departments without compromising the performance of the machine where your Mac could be enrolled in MDM and you would almost never know it.
1: Yeah. Um, To your point about that user experience piece, um, we had a really interesting observation years ago with iPhone, which was your custom enterprise built IT app was sitting on the home screen right next to the fastest, best performing game that somebody just got from the app store. And so somebody would come out of one experience and into another, and because there was personal information or personal apps on the same device as your work device, the comparison was unavoidable. And I think organizations started to realize that. And then since then, it's just more and more, you know, tightly coupled. Um, but I think that was a real wake-up call for a lot of IT folks because the conversation started to really shift to much more about, okay, how can we as IT be focusing on creating this great end-user experience, not just in the apps we built, but in the unboxing experience or the setup process or the offboarding experience? Um, and like I said, that you know your icon sitting next to the, the third party app of the day um, was a really interesting way for folks to just put that kind of front and center in their minds as what was happening.
0: It it I'm trying to think of the way to to, to frame this. It, it it took it the the most it departments have shifted their mindset over the years from gatekeeper. To business innovation, and I think the Mac, the iPad, and the iPhone are, are a key part of that. Um, and then, you know, one of the things I think has certainly helped, um, or, or at the time maybe would have been a a, a hindrance or a, seen as a negative to Apple is like you know you had these like legacy business applications that like have required some custom PC thing. Well. Over time, we've seen a shift to web apps that have native apps that talk to a you know a cloud service, and because the iPhone and the iPad are so popular, companies just say, well, let's build a Mac app too. Or again, you can run an iPad app on a Mac, and it's like now it's easier than ever to access your company's you know email, CRM data. Uh, all you know, you think about your most common business tools today. They run everywhere. It's not just hey, we run on the PC. We run. They run everywhere. They they run in the in the web. It's about. It's kind of about
1: meeting employees where they are. Yeah, one of the things that I think we benefit from with all of the uh, amazing apps that are, like you said, cloud based, is the companies that are making those cloud based apps are running on Macs too. So we have kind of a. Uh, an inside track to make sure that uh, our platforms are super well supported because these innovators that are coming up with new cloud services that are competing in markets uh, with uh, new technology, they're, you know, by and large, uh, very Apple friendly customers as well, as you can imagine.
0: Oh yeah. Like you said, everybody, Macs are everywhere. iPhones are everywhere. iPads are everywhere. Um, And, I think the as we kind of wrap up here, Apple has done a, a lot of good to really bring a, a lot of great things to the enterprise in a way that strikes the balance of meeting the needs of IT departments, but also like being a great end user experience. And that's actually harder to do than you think. Because most IT departments kind of want more and more control and most end users maybe want less and less control. But like I said in the beginning, you can have an app that is using a security tool that is integrating in with macOS through the security endpoint API. It could be running File Vault 2, so your disk is encrypted, and you could have... Um, It could have, you know, be enrolled in Apple Business Manager and be enrolled in the company's MDM. And the employee, unless they were trying to do something that was disabled to a configuration profile, would almost never know. Because there's almost no noticeable impact in performance. And that's not always been the case in the enterprise world.
1: Yeah, I think that's one of the benefits of these devices being the same devices that ship to uh, consumers who don't have any of that management is that because we know that their device could be managed um, it, it causes us to focus on uh, what are the performance trade-offs or the security trade-offs or the privacy trade-offs and really make sure that everything that we're doing for a managed device we would be comfortable with kind of for anybody um and so um it, it really raises the bar if we had you know a separate SKU that was the enterprise version um i think you know that would be a much different conversation but because it's the same device everywhere that just can be managed um it means that yeah turning on file vault can't be uh performance degradation because we actually want every consumer to have file vault turned on uh, you know those types of conversations are you know pretty common here.
0: Well, again, you think about Touch ID on the Mac, Face ID on the iPhone. You, you're bringing this this enterprise grade security down to the end you know the, the regular consumer, but then you're also bringing this consumer grade um, experience, and not only say consumer grade because like in a negative term, but like this awesome end-user experience to the enterprise and you're, it's really kind of the best of both worlds and if you build it secure for the enterprise it's going to be secure for the home and if it's built to to be great in the home it's going to be great at work and um, I don't I don't know if I could say uh, ever find a better time to be an Apple customer at work or at school as there is today between Apple Silicon uh, where the iPad lineup is where the iPhone lineup is and then and obviously even with the Apple Watch and they you know I think um, there's some awesome innovation happening there, and then again, even just a little conveniences like un- unlocking your Mac, um, you know, with your phone. And again, then obviously all the th- great things with um, Apple TV and digital signage. Um, it's just it's just a great time to be a Mac user in the enterprise, whether you're on the the, the IT side, the business operations side, and the purchasing, or just a regular end user. So uh, kudos to you all for a great announcement uh, lineup at W D C and I'm, I'm really excited about. Um, iOS 15, iPadOS 15, and macOS Monterey coming out this fall. So, Jeremy, thanks for taking the time to be on the show. Uh, We really appreciate it and appreciate your insights, and uh, we hope you all keep up the great work the rest of the year.
1: Thank you. Happy to be here. Take care.